Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The following is a presentation of the SpeedSport Podcast Network. Kyle Busch won the season opener at Talladega. DeGroot was second. He's the reigning champion. It's the iRacers Download, where reality meets the virtual world of auto racing. Cardwell hoping it stays green. He nearly spins it around. Who's it going to be, Cardwell, Berkeley, or someone else? iRacing's executive director, Dale Earnhardt Jr. I think that NASCAR is starting to see the value and the opportunities that can present themselves working with iRacing. From the SpeedSport Podcast Studios, powered by My Race Pass. Here are your hosts, Justin Prince and Taylor Burris. Welcome to another episode of the iRacers Download from the SpeedSport Podcast Studio, powered by My Race Pass. Taylor Burris here, along with Justin Prince, as we delve into the world of news around iRacing and the sim racing world. We got a lot to talk about from the eNASCAR Contender iRacing Series to the Grand Prix Tour Turn iRacing GP Series and so much more. Justin, it was an exciting week in the world of iRacing over the weekend as, of course, the iRacing SCCA runoffs made its return to Virginia International Raceway with six classes and, of course, many different winners coming out on top. Yes, indeed. Another busy week when it comes to all sorts of news across iRacing. But keep in mind, it's been that kind of a year so far where you end up having the ebbs and flows come in. But the main emphasis, emphasizing point I've noticed throughout the week, though, is it's also been one where survival of the fittest seems to be a main sticking point, especially on the oval side. It really is. And consistency pays off as well as... The eNASCAR Contender Series, of course, was at Phoenix this past Tuesday night. And another win for Vincente Salas as that team with Dead Zone Racing, along with, of course, Caden Honeycutt, have continued their dominating performance as Chente picks up his second win of the season out of three events. Caden Honeycutt, his teammate, he came home in the seventh position. Of course, got to give a big shout out to Caden Honeycutt as well. Had him on the download last week. He went on to race in Arca at Madeira, took home the checkered flag. So congratulations to Caden Honeycutt as he took home his second career Arca win of the season this past weekend at Madeira Speedway. Yes, indeed. Caden Honeycutt has been very quick when it comes to the Arca West series so far, to say the very least. And he was one of the big movers when it comes to Enascar this past week as well. So momentum's been going his way, but there's a lot to talk about and to think in terms of the Contender Series, especially since we talked about the attrition. He was amongst those who had to get through a lot of crashes where a lot of people had a lot of words about a lot of destroyed race cars. Yeah, it was definitely a destroyed race car kind of deal. Daniel Budafuco was one of those drivers who was not entirely happy about how some of the incidents that befell him during that race, as he was definitely one who was definitely looking forward to moving on to the next round of the Contender Series. 
as he's going to have a big hill to climb if he wants to make his debut in eNASCAR competition in 2024. Well, big asterisk, eNASCAR competition in the sense of iRacing. Remember, he was one of the best drivers when it came to the technically now owned by iRacing, NASCAR Heat IEP, IP and eNASCAR competitions, and has been amongst those trying to qualify over for a few years now and has been one of the higher-up drivers when it comes to the college series. So that being said, though, that's where, of course, obviously frustration builds, right, is so far this season, it's been tricky when it comes to attrition. There's been lots of talking points about the new damage model that popped up. But at the same time, my thought is, you guys are also asking about the same thing because the scrape to the wall was about 10 miles an hour slower on the straights. Now we have a damage model where, like in real life, depending on the car, you hit the wall hard enough to break the tie rod, the tie rod actually breaks. So, what do you want there? You're basically saying you want everything, but nothing changed at the same time, while also saying, I want drivers to be aggressive, but also for them to never touch me on the track. Well, let's have a discussion on this, Justin. You know, a lot of people, as far as when it comes to the qualifiers, the contender, and the Coke series, they want it to be more, what would be the proper word I would have to say. There's some people, at least, who want it to be more simplified. You know, we saw the fixed setups in the Coke series this year for the first time in series history. We now have the issue about the likeness of actual damage that should befall if you do certain things over a period of time happen. But yet they don't want that, as well as also a fixed setup. You don't see a quote-unquote fixed setup in real-life ENAS or real-life NASCAR competition or even any of the other series, excluding SRX to a degree. I mean, granted, the SRX series can make minor adjustments to the driver's liking, but other than that, it is the same car, same everything. So. I understand the mix of a fixed series because of how many hours you have to put in to build a setup that's competitive for this high level of racing. But that also showcases those who want to be able to showcase their talent. And for some of them, it's important because that's what the real world drivers do. They take hours of testing and practicing in simulators to get set up for those next events. And then as well, their crew chiefs are making a lot of work at running simulation, running through practice and testing to figure out what's the best possible way for a driver to run at said events. That is the most difficult part in all this is there's got to be some willingness for change. But at the same time, it can't be so much change that you can't move the needle whatsoever. It takes time. And that's why I think so many are saying they want the fixed side is one of the most costly parts of the sim racing world when it comes to building for these teams is the cost behind the scenes because it's not necessarily the money cost I'm talking about. It's you're talking about having whole groupings of people as high as 10, 20, sometimes up to 50 people, depending on the organization, who are devoting upwards of 20 to 40 hours for the one race. That's an hour and a half at best at the Coke level. And there's a big demand of saying if you're not willing to do the 40 hours then why would i even bother running you in this pro team which kind of is the contradictory part that comes to mind when i think okay then how are you supposed to make the pro series then if you also are basically saying you must be willing to work for free for up to two three years for the grind 
and that's the most frustrating part to me, I think, is is that you're talking about the top drivers in on estimate from reports across the platform about up to 20,000. That's not a lot when you're talking about the hours we're talking about here. We're talking very small. If, yeah. And that's the most difficult selling point I've seen from some of the top drivers who are not a part of the qualifications that we've seen over the past couple of years, especially is one, making sure it's worth it to the benefit cost, but also two, and the big part is as of weight is everyone decide everyone deciding essentially that it's time to send it. It's time to push it. Why don't if I need to gain as many points as possible, I'm not afraid to end up hitting four bumpers, they'll understand that they need points. And that gets frustrating when it happens every single race, and you end up having three big ones like they did at Phoenix. Yeah, it is something to consider, something to think about. And, of course, another thing to talk about is damage model. You know, I have to say that comment that Budafuco is making, as well as some other drivers are making regarding the damage, I mean, that's the real-world damage of racing to a degree. If you hit on a certain spot long enough, it's going to break. Granted, now NASCAR has the composite bodies, which are a little bit more durable, I have to say, compared to sheet metal bodies, I have to say, when speaking from experience and talking to people in the NASCAR industry, which could hastily, where iRacing could add on to that to make it more durable. But like you said, when you keep beating on a tie rod or putting yourself against the wall too many times, yeah, it, it's going to break no matter what you do, no matter how durable the composite bodies are. Something will give. It almost comes up to the saying, don't hate the player, hate the game. And it's like everyone's saying, okay, let's blame the thing that's not a person. And part of the factor is, and seen this from a few other drivers as well, is the kind of sentiment of the same people who are saying the types of comments saying it's the damage model's fault is, are the same people that are not afraid to late argue into a corner, are not afraid to bump and run you if you dare block them in another race. And it's kind of to where everyone contradicts each other to saying, why, you can't say this, you shouldn't be saying this, why are you saying this? To where, in reality, behind the scenes, they said the exact same thing. And you're just calling them out for the points, it almost feels like. And and I'll be honest, everyone feels that same. It Everyone, I think, has had that same mindset of, okay, why am I damaged like this? Why am I getting laid arc? But also, in the heat of the moment, and there was a great point I was thinking about, too, in all this. In the heat of the moment, one of the main things I've seen talked about by drivers like, uh, Brian Briar LePrad has been keeping mentally focused. And in the moment, when you are basically in three wide, about to be late arc by the guy in the bottom, you're thinking in your mind, not about the rational thoughts. You're thinking, how am I going to hold on to this spot? I've got to get it now, now, now. And it's almost like a bouncing off effect that almost starts to boil over to where by the time you calm down and get to the rational point, it's like, Okay, how do you do that in the car, though? Yeah, it, it is something to consider and something to think about. And unfortunately, we'll see what iRacing does. I, I know that there's people wanting and begging for a new update to the oval side of racing, especially towards the NASCAR side. Will we see it going out after a contender series? Will that update happen maybe season one of 2024? 
I don't know. We will see what happens, but I'm pretty sure before the 2024 season of any of the eNASCAR platforms, from the qualifiers to the Coke series to even the NIS series, there would be some changes to help improve upon that. And of course, you know, with iRacing and NASCAR's new partnership agreement with the console games, I'm pretty sure all of that is also going to be utilized and tested in iRacing in order to help better perform for the console game. That was a good good response to the difference between the real world and the virtual right now when at during the Indianapolis Raceway Park official racing week. That was sometime in the summertime. One of the drivers in the race was Roger Carew. One of the drivers who was competing against Roger asked him, how does this feel compared to real life? His response was, it has a steering wheel and four tires. And that was it. <laughs> if you get, we're almost to where, what do you need to do to get the the truck to feel like a truck? What do you need to get the car to feel like the car? And the most difficult part about that is, and I think one of the main things they're especially pumping on people are, is the tires. That's been a major issue probably since camber thrust was a thing five, six years ago. Then the new tire update basically made it the inverse to where now it's basically you can't run more than a line because there's not enough heat in the on the, in the line or there's not enough there's too many marbles or there's not enough rubber. I think that's the big problem. Tires but is one, getting the ability to run same tires on multiple grooves without being punished for running on the top for more than one lap. I think that's the big thing because during Homestead Week, a track that's known for running the wall, every driver I spoke with about the Xfinity Series car and the Grand National Series car emphasized the same point. You run the wall for more than a lap, you're going to pay for it, you can't fall for the trap, and then you have the whole field running on the bottom of the racetrack. So... Here's a question then for both, you know, you and for our listeners, as well as even iRacing. Should they be reaching out to a lot of the drivers like Arasha Karu, like, of course, their executive, Dale Earnhardt Jr., and even some of the other NASCAR drivers that are heavily involved with iRacing, uh, probably even another one, Anthony Alfredo, to work, even Ty Majeski to work with them on trying to make some improvements on to where you can run the respective lines at these tracks. Granted, if you want to run other lines, you can, but to help reboot the oval racing drivability, as well as also how you should drive on the iRacing platform with these respective cars. Like you said, normally we don't see drivers on the iRacing platform running the bottom of the race or the top side of the racetrack at Homestead. Some We see it a little bit at Kansas where it, sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't work out. And then we see it at other tracks. Should we also say iRacing should be trying to do that same for all the tracks? I know there's talk of an updates and reboot for some of these tracks coming up in the future, but should have this stuff been already done or should this stuff be something that could be consideration? Honestly, this is the one thing that's kept popping up too with the console side is what if all this crosses over? or the vice versa. It's almost screaming to me, this needs to be ready to go, so that when you have it in sync with the console, it's up and running, this new system. And it has to be perfect. Because honestly, there's a lot at stake, honestly, in terms of the future of the eNASCAR side, when you think about the racing product. 
that comes into play here. You'll always have drivers, but the quality compared to the real world and virtual counterparts, that's my biggest question mark right now is it's there, but there it's not to where every component is there, at least with what it felt like or feel like personally and have seen drivers even say they don't feel like that's there. And you hear from the real world drivers. And here's my biggest concern on that, Taylor. I don't think any of those messages are getting to iRacing. I, and that's the problem, is getting that those messages to them, but also getting to where iRacing reaches out in not the manner that I've heard some drivers on social media post about and screenshot about saying, or talk about at the time of the pandemic, say on the open wheel side that no longer is on iRacing currently, is talk to us first. The problem's going to be, if there's a, almost a mindset that I've had when it comes to team joining to join a team, and it's almost the same way with how people try and get feedback to iRacing. If you say it yourself, then that you're available. Oh, I'm available to do this. I'm available to do that. They're going to avoid you because that's what, for some reason, various people think if you're saying you're available, that's a red flag. So, And the concern is, okay, how do you say you're available without saying you're available. That's your that's yours to deal with. And that's the problem. Is figuring out the right channel to do it. And channels. So people can get the information forward to make sure you can communicate straightforward and don't feel like you're being pressed on it constantly being every single time. Now keep in mind, remember, several rear-wheel drivers, they're not allowed to say if they're a part of, say, the Alpha or Beta test programs. There's a fair few that I know that I won't say who are part of that said program. And that also includes some of the NASCAR drivers themselves that have that ability to influence that. That being said, it's about making it to where it's positive change and making it to where it's meaningful change. You don't want it to be where you end up getting advantages for your respective groups instead, which... I do know and have seen personally happen to a couple groups and because of the abilities, the alpha programs. It shows that there's a lot of work to be done between now and into 2024. We'll have to see how this plays out. And of course, for more information, check iRacing and eNASCAR's sides of social media platforms. Uh, a couple of other things, of course, the next round of the eNASCAR Contender Series will be on Tuesday, October 31st, as uh, Halloween. Better make sure you put your best costume on, as you're going to be dancing with the Lady in Black as they head to Darlington Raceway. And racing action starts at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time across eNASCAR and iRacing's social media calendars. Of course, coming up later on this week is going to be the Grand Prix Turn iRacing Series, as we will be seeing who will come out on top with that at Fuji Speedway. We'll get more information as we'll have a special guest joining us next week on the download. He's already picked up his first career win just this past round of the iRacing Turn GP Championship, Manel Kubo joins us here next on the download and now it is time when we come back from this commercial break we'll sit down with two-time winner of the contender series vincente salas there's no distance too far for the perfect trip hi checking in for or the perfect table hey where are you 
coming. And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Welcome back to the iRacers download from the Speedsport Podcast Studio powered by My Race Pass. Taylor Burris here along with Justin Prince as we are joined by two-time winner this year in the eNASCAR Contender Series, Vincente Salas. Vincente, welcome back to the download. It's been a while, but it's good to have you back. Heck yeah. Thank you for having me. i uh super grateful to be on here. Well, first and foremost, we have to talk a little bit about how your thoughts were on the Coke Series before we go into Contender Series. A little bit of a difficult year compared to previous seasons, but... It seems like that you were able to take some things to learn from and now showcasing that here in the Contender Series. Uh, Yeah, it was definitely a difficult year for us. You know, there were a bunch of races where we showed speed and we had winning speed. You know, Atlanta, we were going for the win and we got wrecked. Um, Gateway, we were right up front. And unfortunately, I've never had my Internet go out in a race. But uh, the guy was racing. Actually, the guy was ahead, ended up finishing side by side in a battle for the win. So, you know, I know we could have been there. Uh, Nashville, we were leading, and cautions came out and kind of ruined our race. Uh, and uh, Charlotte, we had a really good car, but you know the list goes on, right? We had really good cars all year. We know what we had. We know we had bad luck, and we just had to go into uh, the contender series with a new mindset of you know doing our jobs, doing the best we can, and you know whatever happens, happens. And luckily, we've we've performed up to now. We've had good cars every week, so the goal is to just keep the mo rolling. It certainly is. I mean, you've already picked up. I can't. It's amazing to see this two career wins in the contender series already, showcasing a lot of speed. And you and your teammate Caden Honeycutt have been really dominating so far this year. Yep, absolutely. I think me and Caden have a really, really good dynamic and a solid understanding of each other and what you know we need right you know he'll work on the setup i'll work on the setup and every time we're improving the car it it helps both of us so i think that's a huge plus and you know besides helping me here on the sim he's also helped me a ton with my race craft and my understanding of racing uh in the real life car in the late model so you know caden's been an absolutely awesome teammate and an even better friend it certainly is now of course one thing we have to talk about is you know from someone who just had a chance encounter with a show car at your home, uh, your local Home Depot back in California. So then racing and karting, racing at the biggest karting event in North America, of course, the Super Nats, to being one of the top iRacers in eNASCAR history, to now racing in North Carolina in the late models. And you've already picked up a win earlier this year in the late model stocks at Hickory. Walk us through how this feels for you, where you're making progressive steps into becoming one of the future stars of motorsports. Uh, definitely been a journey so far. You know, I'm really, really grateful to my parents, my family, all my partners and everybody that makes it possible. Because being able to drive a race car, a go-kart or drive online is one thing. But, you know, having that support and having the backing to do so is a different thing. So, you know, without them... It, it wouldn't matter. So I'm super, super grateful to them. But um, yeah, I'm just looking forward to the future. You know, we've got 
a lot of really awesome things in the work in the works for 2024 and a lot of awesome things planned. So the goal is to requalify for the Coke series and, you know, hopefully go for a championship there, show the speed that we had last year and keep the momentum rolling from contender into that series. Um, you know, I'm hoping to run some more karting races next year as well and, and just try and be really diverse with my racing next year. So uh, trying to really go back to my roots and, and have fun with it again, like we did at the start. Let's talk a little bit about the race that happened for a contender. Phoenix Raceway, you pick up the victory with 30 laps led. It was an interesting one because there was so much talk about the incidents, but let's talk about the perspective from your side of things. Because before things started to pick up late, having to close up the gap to Femi Olatabuzin, eight seconds was the gap with 15 to go before things cycled up at that point with some of the yellows. Talk us through your perspective as things really got very wild behind you. Yeah, I believe that uh, we we had that race in our hands. Um, I firmly believe that yellow flag with, I, I forgot who spun out, but after looking at it uh, post-race, definitely looked intentional. So I think there's something to that one. But um, we knew Femi was going to run out of fuel if he didn't pit, so we weren't really too worried about him. But um, honestly, I think the move was as clean as it could have been with how it all transpired. You know, he blocked. Um, he knew that I had a run coming on him. He actually had damage as well from what I, I saw in his car. So, um, I mean, you block, you pay. That That's really all there is to it. And I'm here to show teams and show my partners and everybody that's believed in me that I'm willing to do what it takes to win. And whether that comes back to bite me or not is one thing, but... You know, we had that race in our hands, and we dominated it. So I wasn't going to lose that one or throw it away. Okay, that leads to an interesting segue to the next question, though, because there was a lot of conversation, not about what you did up at the front, but what's been going on throughout the field this season. You had about two or three big ones at Phoenix. What's your perspective on the conversation that's been floated about, about the aggression levels, including... One that stacked up several contenders like Danny Futafuko and several more that ended up some of the races early. Or others like Joey Brown, Rush, and Andy Navarro, Andrew Navarro in the first few laps. Well, I think you can chalk it all up to the race lengths we've been given. Uh, we have 110 laps at Phoenix, which is virtually a sprint race. So if we had, you know, more like 150, 160, maybe even upwards of 200 laps, you have two pit cycles. You have a lot of time to cycle through the field if you're fast at the end of the field. But because the races are so short, you know, there's guys that started at the back that should not have started at the back. And with the least bias possible, the first person that came to mind for me was Caden. He was running the same times as me all day. He should have been top 10 in qualifying as well, but he had to drive his way through, right? So it would have been a lot easier for guys like him to make it through the field if we had a race that was double the length. You know, so unfortunately, that's not how it works or how it is. But I think with the situation we're being forced into in these races, everybody just has to go, go, go from lap one. That's why I had to go so hard from lap one. I knew that we were going to have yellows and that the race wasn't going to be fully green. So that's why I had to push so hard at the beginning and be aggressive to get to the lead to try and, you know, regain control of the race. You mentioned about having lots of chances in Coke last year, which had that quicker or rather less lap format once more and the importance already this season in Contender to show what you can do for the sponsors. In turn, how difficult is that with the mindset? One good example prior to Pratt had, for example, was just keeping mental focus. How big is that battle now with it 
keeping the go-to-go-go format where you basically need to execute. And, oh, by the way, if you mess up at any point, you'll be probably bumped and ran by 20 people. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's one of those things where as soon as the 10 or 15 cars behind you see a weakness in you, they're just going to do the same thing the guy in front of them did. You know, so like you said, they're going to bump and run you. They're going to be aggressive with you passing you because they know they can. They know you're off and and they're going to take advantage of it. That's what I would do. That's what anybody in the series would do. So, um, you know, I think it's a really unfortunate box we've been put in because I strongly believe that the product would be better if we actually had time to put a race on and let it develop naturally. You know, some of the best races in the last three years were in 2021 when we had 150, 200 lap races, you know, because the races developed, there was strategy, there was time. And that's, you know, what caused less wrecking because people weren't having to go as ridiculously hard. And I can almost guarantee you right now, if they did that to the series for next year and made the races longer, that you would see much cleaner races and the finish would probably be just as good in a natural way. So let's move to a more positive conversation topic at this point. Now at this point, in most seasons, couple wins basically locks yourself up towards the Coke series. You and Caden Honeycutt amongst the top two in the standings. In fact, Honeycutt tied for second in the standings coming through here. In terms of the rest of the way, is what is that feeling in terms of like knowing you're likely in that conversation of being in as long as you, well, don't crash three straight races? but have Darlington up next to deal with. Well, we've been good at Darlington um, the last three years we've gone there, whether it was the truck and road to pro, you know, the Xfinity car in the contender series, as well as the cup car and Coke. We've always been a top 10 or top five car. So I think if we can roll in there, qualify well, hopefully better than we did yesterday, because that wasn't the best starting spot. But um, hopefully we can qualify well, have that pace and, you know, just run top five, top three. And, you know, if we can get the lead and control the race, fantastic. But, you know, the only way we're going to win a championship here is by consistently being top five and getting those points. And that's what Joey Brown showed last year being consistent. And that's what we're going to need to follow this year and doing the same. Well, with that, the sensei, as we look forward to the rest of the year, where can people go to learn more about your career into the rest of this year and into 2024? as we look forward to it so my twitter handle is vicente underscore salas 14 and my instagram is vicente.salas.14 i normally post on both of those you know updates what's going on um i want to give a huge shout out to my partners sri performance everybody there that's believed in me all my teammates at dead zone racing jdr graphics for designing all my stuff they're awesome um everybody that supports me you know i, I really really appreciate it and i'm looking forward to being able to drop some announcements soon in the next couple months as to what we're going to be doing next year. But I can guarantee you that you won't want to miss it. And it's definitely going to be a big step that I don't think most people were expecting. So I'm really, really excited. Well, we look forward to it. And that, of course, is Vincente Salas. And Vincente, I'll, of course, see you in a couple of weeks in Las Vegas for the 26th annual Scusa Super Nationals at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Heck yeah. All righty. Well, that is Vincente Salas, driver and winner of the eNASCAR Contender Series, two-time winner. Coming up next after the break, we're going to continue to go over a couple of more news and topics in the world of iRacing. You're listening to the iRacers download from the SpeedSport Podcast Studio, powered by MyRacePass. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. 
I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Welcome back to the iRacers download from the Speedsport Podcast Studio, powered by My Race Pass. Taylor Burr is here along with Justin Prince as we go over some other news and highlights in the world of iRacing. A couple of things to touch on, of course, none other than the iRacing SCCA runoffs happened this past weekend as well, utilizing the Formula V, Spec Racer Fords, MX-5 Cup Cars, the USF 2000s, GT4 Machinery, and the Renault Clio Cup Cars. And another exciting week as well as, of course, the winners in each of those five races was Marcus Jurek in the Clio Cup car, Uaxi Lin in the GT4 split with a Porsche, and then Dario Ferraniti in the USF car. Cam Evans took home the MX-5 top split win, and Uaxi Lin took home the Spec Racer Ford, and Carter Lundy rounded out with the Formula V top split win. A really good drive and another exciting year of the SCCA partnership with iRacing. I think you mentioned a big point when it comes to Evan with the MX-5s because he's actually amongst those, one of the young up-and-comers through the Railroad Series. Now, he's been one of the biggest components and proponents to La League scene because have you ever heard of the series Big C's MX-5 Challenge from a few yes. years ago? Yes, indeed. Me and you actually used to call that series for a exactly. time. Exactly. And he was the main organizer of that, which became the talent where Racine Fazui, where Cam, not, well, Cam Evan, obviously, but also drivers like Elvis Rankin and several more made their first major league performances. And that, in combined with the reference behind the scenes, helped propel them forward. I think that was pretty much said with performances like what we've seen from Evan and having drivers like Brody Kostecki actually in the MX-5 race that really spiced things up as well as some of the other car regulars like DJ Alessandrini and several more. It was a busy time, to say the very least, though, in the in the runoffs, though. I don't know if anyone really had the time to go for the every single race effort except for maybe Dario Venati, Venini, should say, who did a few of them at least in the top five. Yeah, I, I tried to, but unfortunately, with my schedule, it was a little bit difficult to get one in. And uh, unfortunately, I just did not feel comfortable going out there and causing a ruckus out there, if you know what I mean, Justin. How many wrecks did you cause? Uh, none. I didn't even enter a race, so that way I wouldn't cause any oh. wrecks. <laughs> oh, so what are you talking about trying to run multiple and then I was at a time? Well, what I was meaning by, like, I went into a couple of practice sessions to see how I felt and comfortable, and I did not feel comfortable enough to go out there and run. Well, then... I don't Smart. know what else to say. Well, the next thing you should say is the next iRacing special event should be the iRacing Phoenix NASCAR finale happening from Halloween to November the 6th. So if you want to have your chance to race like the NASCAR Cup Series and wrap up the NIS Series, well, then here's your chance with the iRacing Phoenix finale uh, coming up next week. And then, of course, later on, we'll have the Fuji 8-hour special event presented by Coach Dave Academy, utilizing all GT3 cars. 
Then a new one, a new special event added on surprisingly. The British Racing and Sports Car Club iRacing Formula Ford 1600 Festival in partnership with British Sports Car Racing and Motorsports UK Esports to utilize the Formula Fords at Brands Hatch. And keep in mind, Motorsports UK and their esports division has been very active in special events in the past few months especially, where they've been working and having broadcasts through RaceBond in those past few months. Now, finally, that brings fruit over to connecting to the iRacing platform to make it a widespread event. I think that's going to be a pretty fun time, to say the very least. I know they've been trying to really grow the esports program this year. And again, one best way to do it, partner with the platform you've been running all your events on in the first place. It really is. And it's going to be exciting to see that happening in a couple of weeks' time at in the road course with the Brands Hatch circuit. So we'll look forward to see that. A couple of other announcements. The Winter iRacing NASCAR Series will be back in 2023. Two different splits, of course, the fixed and the open, utilizing the E or the 1987 NASCARs starting on November the 7th all the way to February the 5th at Daytona, Phoenix, Darlington, Martinsville, Charlotte, Indianapolis, Watkins Glen, Rockingham, Michigan, North Wilkesboro, Dover, Talladega, and Homestead Miami Speedway. So going to be exciting to see those series back at it once again in the winter calendar to get us ready for 2024. And keep in mind, all various schedules still either in their final discussions or completing the voting that they've had to be able to determine who's going to get what schedules. Already lots of talk about which tracks are going to be coming up for those respective winter seasons. I know the 1987 cars, for example, the forums had a lot of fairly good talking points throughout that respective time for drivers wanting to propose that set schedule. After all, the voting originally started off as early as mid-October, and there was a lot of talk on possibly adding tracks like Will Springs initially to the schedule before that proposed schedule came through. Well, I mean, if you think about it, Willow Springs could be the closest thing we could have to utilizing Riverside, if you think about it. I mean, Sonoma, yes, of course, you could use, but Willow Springs is one of the newer circuits that could be closely resembled to the circuit back in the 1980s. Another news, of course, is a return to a certain car into official racing. Of course, the Thrustmaster Challenge, or the GT Thrustmaster Challenge, utilizing the Chevy Corvette and Aston Martin GT1, and the Ford GT2 has been a regular series, and it has its highs and lows of high top splits to, you know, no participation sometimes. But iRacing has announced that the HPD ARX-01C will be making its return. This is the first time that we've seen a car, quote-unquote, retired, being brought back into iRacing competition for official races. And when you think about it, that's again towards the drive of classic content, for one. And two, Taylor, in regards to that side of things, you mentioned the HPD. It has been a car that's been utilized in some leagues for some fun series. So, and that's where, if you think about it, some of the main drive for getting the resurgence of the Gen 4 series came into play through the league scene. And those drivers trying to replicate Gen 4 racing, but the Arca Menard series cars. You had drivers previously run super speedways with, say, the open wheel cars or with some of the prototypes or with the car you just mentioned. Now they start bringing some of those races from the league scene that people seem to be doing a lot and bring them to official racing to see if people run it in official. I'm not surprised because that's, again, 
kind of been where it's going. You could say the same thing even with the Jetta. That there's still momentum for people to vote the Jetta for the car of the year, even though the car is, I don't know how many years old at this point, and you can't it's... make a setup change. <laughs> no, you can't. It's one of the only, it's one of the first cars added onto the iRacing platform, I have to say. And it's one of the first cars that you get for free when joining iRacing, of course. So we'll have to keep that in mind. And, you know, with this a resurgence of certain prototypes, I, it makes me wonder, could we see the possibility of maybe the Riley MK20 Daytona prototype coming back online? You know, we see a lot of leagues built up around that where it races on ovals. Of course, granted, this track was more known for racing the road courses and Grand Am days. But who knows? Maybe a quote unquote roval series could be built around this car. I wouldn't be surprised because, again, it's a solid car. It it's is a solid prototype. It's good speed. And it is a car that people have fun with on super speedways where, did you know you can take it full throttle on the apron with that car? Yes. I I think I just gave them an idea for a race. <laughs> for I the Draftmasters. <laughs> oh my goodness. It actually might work in the Draftmasters in that circumstance for one week. Just one week. It's and, early... then, and for one race. Well, funny story with this car, the Riley MK20 Daytona prototype. That was actually the first car I ever got to test when I found iRacing in Orlando at the PRI show almost a decade ago. So <laughs> that just shows you how long I found iRacing. And, I don't know, about a year or so later is when I got on board to race. And here I am still today. Yeah, it, and I think those connections are part of that, too, where... A lot of the original rookie cars. Keep in mind, a lot of the rookie the rookie class basically street stock. Remember, it used to go through the legends cars. And I almost have the argument of eventually, I wouldn't be surprised if it switches back the other way, because where do most you start off in? Do they start at a street stock? No, technically, it's either a bone stock or a legends car. And legends cars more common across the United States through NX. Bone stock is more common, obviously, where you can't run a Legends car, like, say, some parts of Ontario and through Canada that don't have that affiliation with, say, NASCAR or any of the stock car side. It depends track to track. But most people, you don't jump immediately to the highest level or one of the higher levels and say, here's a V8 car. Good luck. You have to get at least two years, at least, normally in most cases. Even in those series that I'm talking about with V8s in Ontario, they spend at least a year or two in a bone stock getting used to actually racing a car. And then they're like, okay, we'll see if you can buy Timmy a $50,000 Chevelle. <laughs> well, well, the thing is, when it comes to that, speaking of, you know, with the smaller classes, you know, the short track world is now untouched. And I know Dale Earnhardt Jr. and some of the teams over in iRacing are looking to bring more of the oval short track world onto the platform. You know, we heard rumors and talks that the Bandolero, of course, is coming to iRacing. An update to the street stock as well coming to iRacing in the future. And, of course, many other interesting concepts that could come into play. I mean, there's not long ago, if you listen to the Dale Jr. download, that even the track Millbridge Speedway has been scanned and in talks of being added onto the iRacing platform. So... There is so many different opportunities to help build up the grassroots racing. Now that for the most part, quote unquote, we've covered, we iRacing pretty much has covered all the bases for the top echelons of motorsports. From NASCAR, 
to the open wheel world with exclusion of a couple of small ladder system steps that is needed to add on, of course. I'm looking over at you, IndyCar and Indy Ladder, quote unquote. But, you know, we see that. And then even some updates that are needed for some of the other platforms like Formula Cars, like some of the GT cars that are coming online here with iRacing, which they have been doing. But there's still a lot of untapped potential for the oval asphalt and dirt oval community. It gets back to that same point of you can't just say, okay, we're done. We don't need to develop for five more years. We can go and focus on the next. No, no. One of the main things in sports broadcasting that is advised to anyone going through the ranks is if you aren't moving forward, you're moving backwards. Yes. And that's even more true when it comes to development of, say, software. If you don't develop software for five years, it looks very old in five years, does it not? It so does. you you kind of need to keep moving forward. So that's a part of that development process of being able to add. But even more so when it comes to the short track side, I think it more is the Dale Jr. effect. Because Dale Jr. obviously is one that goes and benefits and loves to see that type of racing from what I've noticed, but also remember has connections with lost speedways, for example, is a part of that historical track movement we talked about to preserve circuits. So it has, is going to add that extra viewpoint where when you bring different voices, even like ones that are high profile like Dale Jr., it will influence where decisions go. And that's why in the business world, a lot of people like to bring different voices in so they have a different consensus compared to getting to the same people and you don't and you make the same decisions. In the case of Dale Jr., he's bringing in the different decisions that are influencing things with the influence he and the and his power bring. Yes, indeed, and we'll see how that plays out going into 2024. Of course, there's still a lot of things that can happen between now and the 2024 season 1 build, but I have a feeling that there's going to be some interesting things that could come to play out for all that we'll be able to enjoy going into the 2024 season and the 2024 calendar year. But with that, Justin, we have a lot to look forward to. Of course, the turn iRacing GP Championship heads to Fuji. And of course, the eNASCAR Contender Series heads to Darlington Raceway in a couple of days time. But we'll look forward to seeing and covering all the action next week on the iRacers download for Justin Prince and for myself, Taylor Burris. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time on the download.